Carrie, can you hear me now? Yes. And I can hear you. Uh, here you we sounded are. crazy before. Also, whatever that music was you were playing, I don't think it was playing correctly. It was all garbled, like Satan music. Ah, uh, well, I did not plan to, plan to say play Satan music. There are lots of lots of fails. I was just telling <laughs> Carrie that I I'm I'm thinking about I'm trying to figure out how switching away from Zoom because I really don't like Zoom and it seems to be. Uh, I think it was an audio. Well, funny enough, uh, you said something in your video still about how this music is guaranteed to blah blah blah, and so I assumed it was supposed to sound that way. It's kind of be it's weird it's weird music, but it's not supposed to sound like satanic garbled music. So. Uh, <laughs> That's just the beauty of Zoom. I bet Zoom can't handle. Um, I bet Zoom can't handle non-voice, and I bet it screws up the codec. And I bet that it got the codec got into a weird state, so that even when my voice came on, it was weird. Uh, Herman thinks that Satan inspires the best music. You know, one of um, this is going to make me sound like a horrible person. One of my daughter's favorite songs when she was really young was. Uh, do you know the song "Satan Said Dance" by Clap Your Hands? Yeah. No, it's kind of a fun song, but it repeats the word Satan a lot in the song. I don't think Satan inspires the best music because I think I believe I believe that uh, that idea that Satan is just a great imitator Mm. and imitates. So he's a copier of music in your. Yeah, that's why that's why. um, I mean, look at today's music. You could reproduce most of it with a computer. They're not using as many notes as they used to use. It's just it's not the same thing. And I think a lot of that is, uh, it's just people imitating. Well, they're, they're, not, they're not truly inspired by something divine. I would agree that there's lots of imitation in crappy art these days. Uh, I wouldn't attribute it to divine inspiration or lack thereof. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, all right, everyone. Carrie, hi. Have you read Sorry. the book? Have you read the book, The, um, the War of Art? No. So I haven't read the whole thing. I, it's one of those books where I start. I read like maybe the first chapter or two, but he talks about how um, he, it was interesting because he does believe in divine inspiration for art, but he talks about how when someone is is really plugged in and, and whether it's music or writing or whatever it is, and it's just flowing out of them, he believes that that's some type of, or the way he thinks of it anyway, is like and something divine that is working through you and you're just mil- merely the tool. And an example he gave, or maybe it was just something he made me think of was, um, well, I think he did give this example. If someone has a great first record and it's just amazing and it's flowing out of them and it's brilliant and it's art and it's something you could think of, or I would think of as divine, then they start to believe the hype about themselves and they start to believe that it was them and their brilliance and their ego gets inflated. And then the second album sucks (laughs) or the second, and I found this, to be true in writing sometimes where I feel like, oh, like I'm, I'm like struggling to force something and, um, and, and thinking that it's about me and it's about, no, you have to get back to that place where you're open and you're just, you're just a conduit for something else. I mean, even if you don't have the divine inspiration as the root of that, I think it's a, an apt metaphor at the very least, because people definitely do um, have a success and then think it was all about them. I mean, this happens in uh, almost every field, like a lot of entrepreneurs that are successful after their first success, they kind of feel like, oh, everything I'm going to do is successful now. And almost always the second business fails and, you know, falls on its face. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's like you're overthinking it then. And you think, oh, yeah, I have we, to, just yeah. Have, we just have this weird thing that like, cause, cause I think even in, even in entrepreneurship um, and obviously in music, there's a certain amount of luck that's um, part of your success. And you kind of just discount that and you kind of think, oh, I'm Midas, anything I do is going to be awesome. And it's like, well, with that attitude, it's not going to be awesome. Yeah, uh, I agree. But, um, I would love to see you guys interview Kurt Metzger. He's a comedian, raised Jehovah's Witness, who wrote for Amy Schumer and got taken down by SGWs. Oh, I know who Kurt Metzger is. Yeah, actually, that was one of the even... things that I wanted to talk to today, um, talk about today. Did you see this article in Slate? about um comedians carrie and this would be up your alley i figured no i didn't uh here let me see if i can share it by the way my also my the other thing that happened yesterday aside from sound issues today my computer had a total meltdown yesterday so i'm sorry i'm a little bit discombobulated i think screen share will still work so let's see 
Okay. So this article in Slate, the seething stand-up underground that gives rise to Shane Gillis. Um, and remember, <laughs> Shane, Shane Gillis is the guy that was uh, recently fired from um, SNL. Mm-hmm. And this person is calling the this is calling them conservative comedy, which is funny because these people are not conservative. Um, but yeah, this whole article talks about the Legion of Skanks, um, hosted by Louis Gomez, Dave Smith, and Big J Okerson. I don't even know this stuff because I don't follow. Comedy. Well, Legion of Skanks already had controversy because they. <clears throat> The Creek in the Cave uh, canceled a show they were going to do where they were going to have Milo Yiannopoulos there. Yeah, they mentioned that in this article here. Oh, well, The Creek in the Cave is run by a bunch of cowards. Here, a queen, a queen's venue, commonly regarded as an incubator for countless comics. So, yeah, they have the Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos thing in here. But I think they mention, who was the comedian that someone just mentioned? I don't even know. Kurt Metzger. There you go. Uh, Kurt Metzger wrote a series unhinged posts lambasting rape survivors who don't go to police um, oh my god the, the episode 2 of his podcast featured Mike Cernovich I feel like Mike Cernovich's name is they bandy it about like it's Hitler um, yeah it's funny even uh, uh, journalists who I don't feel like are that awful will refer to him as far right, Mike Sertovich. I'm like, he's not far right. Like, you guys don't, you're not speaking in facts. It's weird. Well, they, um, I think they're lazy too, though, right? Because they don't, we we know this, they don't do any, they do very little actual firsthand research for, of anything. So it's just, my friend said he's far right. So that's what I'm going to talk about him as. And I, I read that he's far right everywhere. So that's what I'm going to, that's a label that I'm going to use, but they don't actually listen to anything he says. Um, but yeah, the, the point of that article though, um, Carrie, was that it was weird. It was like basically saying, you might not be aware, but there's this huge underground of comedians who think that the priority is just to make people laugh. And if that's all that happens, they think it's fine. And this might surprise you, but there's a whole world of comedians who think that just being funny is enough. And that's the whole, that's the entire thing of the article. It's the entire, the entire theme and point of the article. Um, so, I don't know. What do you got today, Carrie? What do you want to talk about? You're muted again. I don't know why. I muted myself. No. Um, I was just looking for this article in the New York Times about that comedian. Um, I have too many emails in here. Okay, here it is. Uh, Maeve Higgins. This is a piece by Maeve Higgins. And I think it's impossible to get, it's impossible to get it more wrong than she did. (laughs) Um, Hold on one second. Let me open it. You want to share it? Yeah, I'll share it. I just have to open it. I have a very slow computer. (sighs) What? This stuff frustrates you, doesn't it? Yeah, when it happens to me also, it just frustrates me generally. I'm I'm extremely impatient with technology. Um, well, odd. I spent my entire career in technology. Maybe you met me to teach you patience. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if there's a God, he sent you here to teach me patience. That's the damn truth. <laughs> it's structure. Okay, here. Uh uh, let's see if I can share this. Okay. It's an opinion piece in the New York Times. Can you see that? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can't see the <laughs> headline. But there we go. Shane Gillis and the privilege of comedy. Many of my fellow comics are worrying about freedom of speech. I'm laughing. <laughs> I bet she's not funny. I bet she's not funny. And that's why she's writing opinion pieces for the New York Times. I've been doing stand-up comedy for 14 years, and at some point, I came to despise it. It made me feel bad about myself, mostly. The, fine, the thing I find hardest is the bullying nature, the punching down. Again, they use this language about punching down. I've heard comics on stage mock women. <laughs> women? How dare you mock women? And gay people, oh my gosh, and black people <laughs> in a variety of ways that still manage to say nothing new. Have you heard people, comics on stage mock men? 
or straight people. That's punching up. Or white people. Oh, oh, I see. That's okay. That's punching up. Why is that punching up? Because this person believes that those people have power and that women and gay people and black people don't have power. What a racist and sexist thing to believe. Anyway, I've sat in the grimy rooms, green rooms and witnessed the ego bloat that comes with applause and money, the rewards that come from maintaining the status quo. It's gross. Um, so then she goes on and, and she talks about Shangelis being hired um, and being fired uh, for calling Chinese people, oh, for being racist on his podcast. I love how people say this as if it's fact, but again, she doesn't give she doesn't give you the context of his jokes or anything. I still don't know what his jokes were because none of these articles. Wait, hold on. To us last week, he wasn't even making, I don't forget what he was making fun of. But. Right. My, but my point is, if all I if all I went was based on this article and other articles, I still don't know what his jokes were because none of them tell me what his jokes were. You have to go and search for the, the source material because they're just trying to tell you it's racist so that without giving you the actual link so you can view it or listen to it yourself. But anyway, racist on his podcast called Chinese people a racial slur anti-gay comments, blah, blah, blah. And so then she talks about how comedy colleagues are up in arms. Uh, They're calling this part of cancel culture and worrying about what it means for freedom of speech. I'm laughing. These anxious- one person at her show that's laughing. Yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) These anxious comedians are worrying about the wrong problem. Now this is, see, this is how an SJW views this. They really view it this way. Here's where the real silencing happens in the comedy world. So many would-be comics, women, people of color, other marginalized groups are silenced from the beginnings of their careers. Despite their talent and work ethic, they leave the industry and take their brilliance elsewhere or perhaps nowhere. Reaching a level in their career where they could even get canceled remains a dream for most. That's a lie. I don't... There's no evidence for that. That's just her narrative. that She she doesn't... Yeah, she doesn't offer any evidence for it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. I just, I need to look up something in my book, Carrie. <laughs> uh, let's see. Chapter one, Robin D'Angelo, queen of social justice, says, guideline number three, let go of anecdotal evidence. Oh, hmm. let go of anecdotal evidence. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the thing is, this is not true. I, I have, I worked in the comedy industry um, for a long time. That's where, that was, that's what my career was before. I walked away from it or, and the, and the democratic party. Anyway, um, I, when I was first started working in it, yes, it's a, it was an old boys network. Um, and, and to some degree it still is at certain places, certain networks or certain agencies, I'm sure, but things have changed radically, radically in the past 10 years, especially the past five years. She's talking about uh, the past and she's pretending like we still live there. And that is a lie. It is much easier now. And I've, I've got anecdotal evidence that I could bring up. It is much easier now um, to be able to check off marginalized groups and sell a show than it is to not be able to check off any marginalized groups. Yep. So that's a lie. But anyway, that's the way she views it. She views people who are worried about freedom of speech as um, the, a lot of SJWs try to paint it this way. If you express concern about censorship and cancel culture and people being fired because of jokes they made, then they try to paint that as you being um, an oppressor or a privileged person who is really just concerned with losing some of your power. But all of that, all of that presupposes that you agree with their belief system in the first place, which I don't. Anyway, yeah. that's my rant. No. <laughs> It's a good rant. I do think we should try and get Kurt Metzger. Um, I think it would be cool to hear you and Kurt talk. I don't know about that. Oh, no. I will talk about that later. (laughs) Okay. Excuse me. Um, Speaking of social justice stuff, though, uh, this is going to sound weird, but um, I, so I, look, we often are on the side of defending Trump because there's crazy people on the other side, but I don't, there's a lot of things I don't like about Trump's policies and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, obviously Trump is not an, a libertarian or anarchist in any way. But I listened to his UN speech that he gave a couple days ago. It was really good. Um, first of all, he called out globalists. He was like basically trashing globalism and saying nations should have, he used the word liberty a lot. I know that he doesn't know what it, 
means in the philosophical sense, at least, but at least he's talking to it. Um, and I got this sense. I, it's been a long time since I heard a president. I think this is why he resonates with people. Uh, he was unabashedly pro-American. He was like, my job is to put America first. Your job is to put your countries first. Like globalism is not, you know, everyone has a rich culture and history. Like do that, be patriots in your own countries. We don't want, he talked about, we don't want wars. We just want peace. Like do your thing. Then though, he talked about social justice, Carrie. What? Said, it's not justice. He was like, <gasps> yeah, he was like, you people who want uh, illegal immigration, blah, 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 and are arguing for the eradication of borders. You know, you, you do it in the name of social justice. What you're, what you're pushing is not justice. You're hurting people. And he went and was like, a third of the people that come, that come across the border illegally are sexually harassed on the way, a third of the women. Um, he talked and he was like, gave a message to people coming across. He's like, if you're gonna, don't pay a coyote to come across illegally because you're not gonna be allowed in. You, and then he was talking to the social justice warriors saying, if you're, you're enabling coyotes and these horrible systems for people to come in, it was. Yeah, here's, here's my view. You just made me. Justice. It was good. That's awesome to hear that. I, um, you just made me think of something. Um, one of our viewers uh, was posted something. I saw she shared something about uh, Greta, the climate change girl. And she talked about her, um, some of the, the quotes that about how, she, about her autism and about um, how she became fixated on this issue and um, went from having no friends and being depressed to having like this purpose. And anyway, she was sharing something about it and why she felt this girl is being used and why she felt empathy for her. And one of her followers commented and said, then you must really care about the children at the border. Like he said something in sarcasm and in bad faith. Right. And uh, I was reading that and I read her very patient response to him where she actually, even though he was engaging in bad faith, she responded in good faith and was saying, well, here's what I think about the border, but I didn't make this connection until just now while you were saying that. See, I believe, and I'm maybe she believes, I don't know, but um, those children are being put in harm's way because of policies that that dude probably supports because of the right, policies that the Democrat supports. Yes. And so people, why are people risking their kids' lives? Because you've incentivized coming here illegally. You've incentivized it. And so they're risking kids' lives and there are coyotes, like you said, and there are people gang raping children and put and people who are kids. We know there are kids coming across with people who are not their parents. Right. And you guys, your policies are putting, you are using those children the same way you're using Greta. So if there is a through line there, it's like that guy is blind to the fact that he actually brought up something that does apply. Yes, those children are being used and propped up and propped up to support illegal immigration and you're putting them in harm's way. Right, right. No, and, and I think, um, look, people can have arguments about, I mean, I'm in communities of anarchists, right? Who a lot of libertarians and anarchists are just like, there should be no borders, which you know, fundamentally at the end of the day, there should, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there shouldn't be a state, but we're not in that. That's not where we are right now. We have a state. It's a massive welfare state. It's also a, mostly a democracy or at least based on a democracy, which means votes can be used to initiate force against other people. If you're going to have a, a region of territory like that, where you've got, you know, a particular region and there are rules that apply to it and those rules allow people to vote and take stuff from other people and initiate force, then you need to control who's in there. At the very least, you need to make sure they're there legally. At the very least. At the very least. And so, so but, but you know, I never see, I rarely see people on the right um, making it a moral issue in, in the way that the left does. And I never see them uh, calling people on the left evil or saying, you don't care about kids and you don't care about kids at the border the way that the left does. But I, I believe their policies are the problem and the, and the left believes the right's policies are the problem. But the left makes it about, you don't care about kids, which is, I think that's the ultimate in bad faith argumentation. I mean, from my perspective as someone who's never been a leftist, um, and, I, and I think the, the right does this to some extent, but I mean, just in my experience, the left goes out of their way to avoid talking about rational consequences of anything that they do. They've never wanted to talk about rational consequences of anything, right? 
they they always shut down the discussion after like we should do x because it will fix it in the immediate and it looks like it will fix it in the immediate short term and any discussion beyond like what effect will that have how will that incentivize people what will change what's what are the other costs what are the hidden costs here anything beyond a very basic level analysis has always been shut down by the left always 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 um and I think that's because they're afraid of an actual rational conversation. Because when you have an actual rational conversation, I think people on the right are afraid of it also. When you have an actual rational conversation, um, you have to start addressing some pretty serious concerns about getting the government involved in a whole lot of crap that it's screwed up. And those go against both the interests of pe many people on the left and often people on the right um, who, you know, support the military industrial complex or whatever it is who, who have an agenda. So, or who just want like, you know, Puritans who remember the religious right, like they, you know, wanted censoring pornography and censoring this and censoring that. Like now yeah. we just have the religious left. Their religion just isn't Christianity. It's just- It's not the same religion, but they want to do the same. They, the wanna, they want to censor us and tell us what we can do and watch and listen to. Right. Right. The state should lock up the CEOs who enable hiring illegals. We have laws against this labor laws. So that's just the other thing that I think is really interesting. I mean, and I know there's at least one other person, Keith, on this chat who's uh, not super into the federal government and would prefer states have power. But we, we have these, um, we're inconsistent. So we have laws at the federal level, which maybe shouldn't exist, but they do but they're selectively enforced by states and some of them the left gets up in arms about when the states selectively enforce them. And some of them the left gets, I mean, and the right does it too. Um, so there's a lot of like sanctuary cities, for example. I'm not, I, I don't think there should be sanctuary cities if you're going to have a country with borders. Uh, it seems like states should not be in charge of who's crossed the country's border illegally. That should be one of the, functions. If you're going to have a federal government, that seems like a pretty obvious function, but they are. Um, they do that. Um, I'm for open borders, but you can't have open borders and welfare state. You have to pick one. Yes, Denzel. And yes. And I think it gets more complicated than that because I used to say that exact thing all the time. My problem is you can't have open borders and democracy. Now we don't have democracy. Actually, we have a republic, but um, you know, even Pla like as far back as Plato and Aristotle knew this, if you have a democracy, People who have less stuff will vote to take the stuff away from the people who have more. Like, that's what happens with a democracy. Like, this, this is not, it's not a, there's no insight here. It's not new. We know this about democracy. So you actually, I don't think you can have a democracy and open borders at all um, because you will, you will result in, you get a welfare state because of a democracy. Um, you need to have, you need to have something to prevent the voting uh, to, to prevent uh, voters from stealing other people's stuff, which theoretically is the constitution. We just ignore it. So not super interesting <laughs> understatement of the year. Yeah, sorry, Keith. <laughs> Keith is not super interested in the initiation of the use of force. So that's good. Rib's gonna give us a book club suggestion also. Um, I don't know, Carrie, what, what, else, what else you got? Well, I mean, that's all I have to say on that. Subject. Any other subjects though? <laughs> uh, I, I saw a meme. I saw a meme that, oh gosh, because we just talked about the March for Science and yeah. how ideological in nature they are. They're they are SJWs, unfortunately. They're not just for science. In fact, they're not even for science if it conflicts with ideology. But um, it was a meme they posted of Greta. And then it was her and like Joan of Arc and Anne Frank. And it basically was saying, you know, all these young girls, something about all these young girls were 16 when they changed the world. And uh, one of my friends, he said, he said, yeah, I remember being in high school and looking around at my, the girls in my class and thinking these people should be running the world. <laughs> and right. everyone thought he was serious. And there, all these women were like, Yes, you go. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Clueless and then think that 16-year-olds should vote. 16-year-old um, girls should yeah. run in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, K 
Carrie, I don't know if you saw this. I got some more fun news for you. So a couple things that are related. One is uh, the Anti-Defamation League now has said, yes, indeed, the OK sign is a symbol of hate. I did see this, and I think this is one of the dumbest things I've seen this month, probably. <laughs> no, no, I can top it in just a moment. But uh, so they, th their argument is, yeah, yeah, they even recognized it started as a 4chan hoax. Look, the OK hand gesture and its link to white nationalism began as a hoax cooked up by users of the website 4chan, who falsely linked it to white supremacy. So they know that. But they're saying, well, but now white, some white supremacists use it, so therefore it's a symbol of hate. <laughs> um, but, but it gets better, Carrie. You ready? No, but wait, hold on. Before you get better, there are so, and you know, because I saw you use the photo for today's episode. Who was that in the photo? Uh, a woman with a bowl cut, which will matter in a moment. Oh, but anyway, it was a black woman doing the okay sign. But we've, we've there's pictures of Obama doing it. There's pictures of, it's, Everyone does the okay sign because it means okay. And what this is doing is taking, uh, I don't, let's say there are some white supremacists who are now using it. Um, it's such a small fraction of even 1% of the, of the people who do the okay sign and to you just giving it to them. You're just saying, let's just give it that to them and make yeah. it white supremacist. It's like milk. Oh, you let, you're drinking milk. You're a white supremacist. We're going to give you milk. Milk is now white supremacist. Right. Um, did I cut you off? I don't know. No, that's okay. Uh, you just, the next thing's related. Oh, okay. Drum roll. Okay. Bowl cuts. Bowl cuts are white supremacy. <laughs> um, bowl cuts, uh, bowl cuts because Dylan Roof, um, uh, wore a bowl cut, I guess. That's kind of a bowl cut, I guess. Um, because because Dylan Roof had a bowl cut, bowl cuts are now um, white supremacy. So, I mean, I don't want to read this whole Rolling Stone article. It's stupid. But they're using Dylan Roof. So far right extremists are now using Dylan Roof's haircut as shorthand for calls to violence. Well, so that picture that you used is really. That's why. That's I, a, yeah. Uh, black woman with a bowl cut doing the OK sign. I had to honestly, the, the truth is I had to. I had to find someone else doing the okay sign and paste it in. I mean, there's a ton of pictures of, I mean, just take one, but there's, there's a bomb. I've seen a compilation. I know, I find a bowl cut. And yeah, right, right. But my point is there's a ton of pictures of people. It's stupid. What I would encourage everyone to do is to do the okay symbol. And I saw people on the right were doing this because it was so ridiculous that the media before, before this even declared in the past year or two, I've seen conservatives doing this more often because it's just like, that's so stupid. I'm going to do this, right? Because that's not what it means. And I would encourage everyone to use the OK symbol a lot more because it does not mean white supremacy. And you do not give symbols over to white supremacists if you're against white supremacy. I know. It makes, <laughs> it makes, me, want to, it makes me want to do the OK sign and it makes me want to get a bull cut. <laughs> um, I'm not going to. I'm just imagining you with a bull cut. Please, somebody Photoshop that. <laughs> I'll I can Photoshop. I actually kind of had in high school. I think I'm, I'm like partly a bowl cut, maybe. Um, but what does the ADL say about the Charlie Chaplin mustache? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's a symbol of hate. Also, uh, Charlie Chaplin was a Nazi, apparently, um, preemptively. So I thought you would like that, Carrie. What else do we got? Any any other comments in chat? Any other things you want us to talk about? I can keep going. I got a few more. One, I'm not going to play this video because the sound on this other computer is broken and I don't know if I can get video sound to work. But um, Carter was- So I have a question. I have a question. Do you remember when um, Apple, uh, on the emojis, they got rid of they got rid of all the guns? Oh, yeah. They used yeah. to have guns on, on different gun emojis because my shooting buddies and I would send little like pew pew things about where we're going out. And then all of a sudden, one day, all the guns were gone. Now there's just one wa little water gun. So stupid. When are they going to get rid of the OK symbol? Yeah, maybe they will. They will. They'll do it. This is, I, I'm predicting now that now that this is, ADL said this, they are going to get rid of the OK symbol. And Even though you- all the emojis with bowl cuts, they're going to get rid of and the, Well, <laughs> I don't know if they have any of this. But even if you make the OK, okay symbol black, because you can change the color of the hand. Right. 
they're going to get rid of it. <laughs> I'm trying to see if they have bowl cut emojis. Oh, somebody found somebody found a gun emoji <laughs> on oh. the, in the comments in the chat. Oh, nice. Oh, Keith is tipping. I think Keith is tipping us just to make sure we don't. I don't go get the cat. No, oh, he gave you a bowl. dollar for a bowl cut. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Thank you for contributing. <laughs> I, I'll Photoshop a bowl cut, though. I, you know what? Um, I was told at one point that this haircut was a fashy haircut. This is a fascist cut. So I don't know. Is bowl cut bowl cuts worse? I guess you're supposed to have long hair or something and a twiddly mustache. All the I'm hipsters here. Redlocks. All the hipsters here in Austin have the twiddly mustaches. Oh. Long hair and twiddly mustache. Did you see Beto at. Um, so, so Beto was in Ohio. I, I saw that tweet you sent me. Are you going to pull it up so I can read it again? Uh, I can pull up the tweet, I think. I don't even know where it is. Um, I don't want to play the video, though, because I don't okay. think the sound will work. But so Beto was at a rally in Ohio. And I guess um, I guess it's OK to carry in Ohio. It's okay to have have weapons. And so someone brought, I don't know if they brought AR-15s. You can't see from the video or the picture. But according to Beto here, he says, well, before I, this will reveal the punchline. He's saying that people shouldn't show up with AK-47s or AR-15s to intimidate us in our own democracy, blah, blah, blah. Um, Guess where his rally was? Where? Survey says. Kent State. Yesterday, people brought assault weapons to a rally at Kent State where four students were shot dead in 1970. By the government, Beto. By the government. Shot by the government. Should I repeat that? Who shot them, Beto? The government. He doesn't get... Uh, he doesn't get... Uh... That, that's really interesting. He has no historical context because he wouldn't have said it that way if he had thought about where he was at. Right. He, he's so empty-minded, this you guy. You don't need a weapon. Remember Kent State? Yeah, that's why we need weapons. Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> and it's not a weapon of war. AR-15s has not been used in war. And it's not... An he can't define assault weapon. It's just whatever he calls it. Oh, I don't like this gun. This is an assault weapon. Oh, every, I mean, look... If you wanted to be honest about this and like clearly just not have a political agenda and be totally honest, um, every every weapon's an assault weapon. The word weapon right. is implies that you want that's like it's capable of doing damage and intended to do damage. Damage is assault. Every right. weapon is an assault weapon. Exactly. That's that's also my point, which is that he can't define it because if he were to define it, he would have to include all guns, and he's not ready to go after all guns yet. He wants to make it about rifles, which account for two percent of gun deaths so he calls those assault weapons but how does he distinguish them from all other guns he doesn't he doesn't because eventually he's going to go for all guns but i like i borrowing from uh that this awful comedian jim jeffries but borrowing from one of his sort of funny jokes about rifles um i like to call mine a protection rifle so protection rifle <laughs> yeah if you're gonna, i don't have an assault rifle i have a protection rifle so i i, I guess i don't have to sell mine back <laughs> <laughs> if you're just coming for the assault ones, mine's safe. I'm never going to assault with it. So yeah, I don't have any intention to assault. <laughs> so Artema actually, Artema says we need to repeal the NFA and the Hughes Amendment. So actually, um, I'm really happy. Hey, Kelly Day. I'm really happy that... Um, oh, hi, Kelly. People are bringing this up. I do think, I do think now would be a great time for more liberty-minded people to counter some of this gun control with instead of just all we've been doing so far has been saying um no please don't take our guns don't take our guns don't take our guns blah 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 how about we claw back some of the uh laws that we already have like the nfa right i'd love to get rid of the national firearms act right and and um we should we should be working to ban we should be working to make or at least recognize state bans on high capacity magazines and everything else unconstitutional. We should be clawing, we should be going the other direction. And we're always on the defensive. All the liberty people are always on the defensive. It's like, please don't, 
please don't infringe our liberties. Please don't infringe our liberties. How about we go and say, give us our liberties back that you infringed a long time ago. That's the fight I want to have. You want to be on the offensive. I like it. Yeah. And I've seen a few people's and Artema just said this as well. Like that's what we need to do because otherwise they're framing the debate. The left has been doing this forever, right? We have like, uh, and actually not always the left, but most of the left, you know, we've got liberties over here and the left over here and the left is like, Hey, we're going to take some of your, we're going to take some of your liberties away. Let's compromise. And we compromise here. And then like, okay, we're going to take some of your liberties away. Let's compromise. We compromise here. And like, it just, just goes on ad infinitum. No one is ever like, give us our liberties back assholes. I want, I want, I want my machine guns back. You got to drop an FA for machine guns. You got to drop a dollar in the tip jar yourself, Carter, because you just swore. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you even that's okay. do that? I don't even know how to tip. Uh, we have a new subscriber, Kat Norton. Hi, Kat. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Kat. Welcome. Are you a knitting? Are you from the knitting community? Because it's hilarious to me that we, we've got knitting community people. I love here. that we have knitting people. I hey. like to knit, although I'm not very good at it. All I ever knew how to make was hats. Um, and, uh, I would like to be able to make sweaters and stuff like that eventually. So Andrew makes a good point. Unfortunately, the only way that happens is... is Here's a quote. They say, what's the point of... Huh? Carrie? What? I was reading Denzel's quote. It says, here's a quote. They say, what's the point of in having AR-15s? The government has better weapons. You can't beat them. Well, they held out for a while in Iraq. Right. I mean, tell them to tell that to the Mujahideen or like there's been plenty of examples of people with weapons holding off the government. And the goal isn't to have a civil war. Um, but look, I mean, it's not unreasonable that at some point in the future, we will again have states or territories that wish to secede and they're going to have whatever weapons their citizens have. Plus, you know, I know there's National Guards and stuff, but who knows what happens to that those assets, like there's police, but you know, um, the, the, the point, the, what's the point in having an AR-15, the government has better weapons. I mean, to me, I view that as an overt threat anyway, that's kind of saying we won the war already. So screw off. Like that's all that's saying, right? Oh yeah. You could have fought us, but we won the war. So, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but Andrew Thompson saying, unfortunately, the only way that happens getting our liberties back is uh, to feed the tree of liberty with the blood of tyrants. So this is the problem. I actually don't know even what's, I don't want to get investigated by the FBI. I don't even know what's kosher to say without being accused of inciting violence. But, you know, at some point there's- like, I don't think that's true though. The blood. When, well, when a state gets powerful enough, I'm not even gonna use the US as an example, but when a state gets powerful enough, the only answer is violence. I mean, but I don't think we're there. I don't think we're there now, but I'm just saying like when that happens, like what happens then? I don't know. Um, I don't think it would be a good idea now, but I don't even so, know how you signal that it is a good idea at some point, but so certainly Kat, it's a good idea before they confiscate all the weapons because once they've got all the weapons, it's past time for that idea. So, so Kat says, yes, knitting's what sent her here, but she joined the NRA uh, as a life member, just because of all the crap going on. Yeah. So Kat, I renewed my, um, I had let my membership lapse and I renewed it last year or the year before, because I, same thing, I got so fed up with the, 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 the misrepresentations and the arguments I was hearing. And since then it's actually Carter and Keith and a few others have recommended a few other gun rights organizations that they say they like better. What, what are some of those? Gun owners of America is a good one. Um, the NRA, yeah, as Andrew points out, the NRA got us the NFA. That's true. The NRA has been, so what actually the process I just described of compromise, 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 that's basically the NRA. The NRA has been like, what we have now is good. Someone says we want more and they'll say, well, we'll compromise and give you this. That's kind of been the history of, of the NRA, in my opinion. Uh, GOA has been more like, nope, we're here. In fact, uh, I imagine that they would also argue against the NFA. The other one is Jews for the Preservation of Firearm Ownership, but they're not as big. Um, they're also principled, though. Uh, just like I think the GOA is more principled. So, um, but hey, NRA is a good first step. Do that. Uh, their voice is not as loud. That is true. 
Um, let's see what else we got. So Carrie, I've got a new, I've, I got another story if you want. You'll like this one. Where is it? This is a case of leftists um, screen themselves over, like getting themselves confused about their own rules and language. So, which I know you like. So this is a story in Buzzfeed. So I'll just read the beginning. Freddie McGon Mc Connell thought that for him to become a father, the hardest fight would be personal, medical. So just to be clear, Freddie McConnell is a biological female who transitioned to male, okay? So um, she thought the hardest, hardest fight would be personal and medical. She'd have to transition into them. First, she transitioned into a man so she could be a man. Then she had to stop her testosterone treatment so she could conceive because she still has a uterus and vagina, i.e. she's a female actually. And finally, to give birth, um, when right to his marrow, he felt male, right to her marrow, she felt male, whatever. So um, the problem is, what happened is, this person, Freddie McConnell, gave birth and then wanted to be listed as father on the birth certificate. And I won't, won't read the whole article, but wanted to be listed as father on the birth certificate. And the hospital is like, no, you're the mother on the birth certificate because you gave birth. So they went to court. And the judge, I love this. So this is like social justice kind of crap, going to court. I want to be listed as the father, not the mother. The judge ruled, no, 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 no. Men can be mothers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> the judge said, no, no, no. Being a mother is just being pregnant and giving birth, but men can do that. So That's, men can now do that. You say you're a man who gave birth. So, yeah. um, so why would why would this person want to be declared the father anyway so he can get screwed in family court? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love it. Just a good left eating themselves. What is the number 334 based on? What are you talking about, Keith? Oh, U.S. has 334 mass shootings. Well, we had only one in the whole country. Was in my city very close to me, though, the Netherlands. Yeah, but I mean, you can't like, you can't compare, you can't compare one country to another like that. It's apples to oranges. There's, uh, first of all, we know that um, uh, non-homogeneity uh, in a culture drastically increases um, violence, which U.S. is extremely non-homogeneous. Non um, we have way higher per capita uh, gun ownership than other places. Um, there's like, there's other cultural differences. So, and there's other problems compared to other countries. So. You can't just say like, oh, we had less, fewer mass shootings, therefore, you know, because we have, I mean, you, you could make that argument like, oh, we have fewer gun laws. Like, okay, fine. But you also have no ability to fight your government and your government can move more and more socialist. Netherlands, you're part of the EU, right? How are you ever going to get out of the EU? Never. Um, like you guys have no autonomy. You have no ability to fight your government. Your government's not afraid of you in the Netherlands. Governments should be afraid of their people. It's one of my favorite lines from V for Vendetta. Um, okay, what else? Open borders policy to come up and help you guys defend your rights, Spanish Civil War style, and give that tree a drink. <laughs> well, I mean, I, no one wants an actual, well, that's not true. Some people do. Uh, you can check it anytime, but you can never leave. Yep. That's the EU. I mean, look at the Brexit crap going on. They voted for an exit and the politicians just won't let them do it. I, someone told me to, I don't know a lot about Brexit, but I'm going to read a book that someone recommended just so I understand a little bit more about what's going on. But from what I can tell, people voted for Brexit twice and the ruling class just doesn't want it. And they're doing everything they can to stop Brexit. And, you know, that's what they want. All right. Um, are we going to talk about this other story you sent me? Which this, one? Uh, just ridiculous. The kid in Tennessee, the five-year-old who was put on record as a sex offender after hugging a classmate. I, it's so ridiculous. I don't know whether I should even believe it. Talk about it. I know. It's weird. It's in the Daily Mirror, though. I know. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up. It's on News Channel 9. It's bizarre. Uh, tell me what you think about this, guys. Boy with autism put on record as sex offender after hugging a classmate. He hugged a classmate. 
literally. He's got autism. Five-year-old boy with autism was reportedly put on record as a sex offender after hugging his classmate. University school pupil, pupil Nathan was reported for hugging the child, and his parents warned he would be placed on record for the rest of his life, the family claims. I, I don't even understand how that's possible. Um, but, I mean, doesn't in your record expunged anyway when you're 18? I don't know. But maybe they mean school record or something. Cause how maybe, would, how would the school five freaking years old? I just don't, if someone smacks another kid in class when they're five, you don't, it's not like assault's going to be on your permanent record kid. <sighs> um, yeah. She says her son had no idea he had crossed any kind of boundary, obviously adding. He doesn't know what he's doing wrong. Obviously. Yes. Obviously he doesn't. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't know. To, it's one of those stories that I feel like I need more facts to judge whether that's even true. It just It's hard for me to believe, right? Yeah. But but I also believe we I I absolutely would believe that there's a school or a teacher who would put that in a file on a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the welcome to 2019. Yeah, I mean, he is uh I don't know. He's, he's probably not woke. So public urination also gets one on the sex offender registry. Really? <laughs> you're offending the grass. What you're doing with public urination. Somehow I feel it's the teacher. Yeah, I'm sure it's the teacher. I don't know. So that was all I really wanted to talk about, Carrie. Um, you have any other, any other things that you think we should talk about? No, I think I think we did an hour. I think that's good. We got to talk with everyone. Well, I'll, we'll sit and wait and see if anyone else wants to chat about some stuff too, because I, I do want. I really would prefer Fridays to be time, um, time for like people in chat bring up stuff they want to talk about. Cat, um, me also. I, I kissed my first girlfriend in kindergarten, um, apparently. So, I guess I would also have been a sex offender, little kindergartner. <laughs> so. What are you going to do? Do you have a picture of yourself in kindergarten? Not not near me, but okay. yes. Did yeah. you have a bowl cut? Kind of. I do. I do. <laughs> I do have. Maybe I should go get it. Maybe the Keith, maybe your dollar will buy. I'll show you a childhood picture with a bowl cut. That, that'll do for a dollar. Um, oh, you know what? We could do, I could show those bumper stickers real quick before we go. New Jersey has, look at this. New Jersey, assuming this is correct. New Jersey has 300 yearly murders with 8 million population. The Netherlands has 250 with 18 million population. That can't be true because someone up there just said that the Netherlands own, has 300 and, oh, oh, one mass shooting. Yeah, so, okay. So New Jersey, um, lower murder rate than the Netherlands. That sounds pretty horrible. New Jersey sucks. And Keith, maybe you can jump in if you'd like to, but... Uh, what do you think about New Jersey's gun laws, Keith? Uh, slightly restrictive, we shall say. Um, maybe that's correlation. I don't have more stats from New Jersey. 99% is from drug crime. Yeah, ending the war on drugs would probably... Um, that's an, another great point, right? This is this thing where a lot of people want to make a lot of these issues, especially leftists, but mostly it's people who want any kind of state intervention. So this could be on the right. What they generally do is they... Um, they look for a univariate, they, they assert that there's a univariate cause and that univariate cause just happens to be uh, related to the thing that they want the state to expand. So if it's, oh, it's gun control, that's the univariate cause. But you know we're not gonna talk about things like the war on drugs because obviously I think Netherlands has a much uh, less jackbooted authoritarian tyrannical response to substances than the US does. So we've got a much bigger black market going on for the drug war. The right does love the drug war. You're right. Um, I think it's the right. I think it's just the right has fetishes for all the tack gear. I mean, on like I, I know that sounds trite, but like uh, it's fun to wear tack gear and do stuff and like it, you know. I, I think they're just like, yeah, cool. I wish I was part of the DEA. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
Next up, deaf arrested for hate speech for fingerspelling. Probably. All drug laws are unconstitutional. That happens to be true, but this is my problem with the Constitution as a solution for anything. We ignore it. Um, New Jersey is communist. I recall Carter wanting to move to Pennsylvania because of New Jersey's gun laws. You do recall that. Uh, yeah, I, I was in Jersey for a while with Keith. Not a, not a good place. Well, actually, I lived, when I lived in New York, um, I used to take the bus into New Jersey to shoot at a gun range. Because so they're New not. I'm, New Jersey mm -hmm. does have some gun ranges. Yeah, they do. And the one I went to was uh, it was really old. It was uh, and it was historically black owned. And I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was it was just right across the state line. And at least you could go shooting there. It's not as bad as New York. Yeah, uh, it's not as bad as well. It's not as bad as New York City. It's probably not as bad as New York State either. Although I think Jersey's gotten even worse since I've been there. But but you know Pennsylvania, you could carry and you could get a concealed permit, and you know it was semi normal. Um, I like the idea of Charles Murray. So I promised that we would do this today. We haven't done it yet, but we'll do it later. No, today. Douglas Murray, Douglas Murray. It's the madness of crowds. Oh, sorry, Douglas Murray. Oh, I was thinking Charles Murray. Oh. No, he, he recommended it earlier that we do the madness of crowds. Um, and Maria's, Maria's no, second. We'll, we'll look at it. Okay, I have to go, Carter. Um, All right. Thank you guys. It's been I'm fun. Sit here awkwardly and read chat and. See if anyone wants to. Talk. <laughs> okay. See you guys later. Later, Carrie. Have a good day. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. But whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain that it has either authorized such a government as we have had or has been powerless to, I think it's stop it or whatever. Yeah. Prevent it. There you go. In either case, it, it is unfit to exist. It's a great quote. Um, and it's and it's something that I do. This is what actually. This is actually what led me to um, being an anarchist rather than a libertarian. Um, I I think we need to stop at libertarianism on the on the road to anarchy. And I wouldn't I wouldn't institute anarchy tomorrow, because we're not in a cultural and philosophic place that it would be sustained. It would just fall into chaos and would have tyranny instantaneously. But um, but ultimately. Uh, this is the problem I have with with the idea that there's like liber libertarians have, which is we just need to fix the Constitution. The Constitution, yeah, there's problems with it, but it's the, the, the problem isn't that uh, the Constitution has allowed this in its written format, so we just ignore it. So um, let's see. Spooner's Vices Are Not Crimes is another great read. Okay. Um, People are biased and flawed. Why am I minarchist libertarian? Prisons are corporations in the US. Yep. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, ultimately on principle, the, the state is the initiation of the use of force. So, which is philosophically why I'm against it. But I, I've said this before, although there's some new people. Um, so I'll say it again. Um, I really view a political system as the only political system that's sustainable is one that's really an emergent property of the culture. And the culture is obviously uh, a result of philosophy, um, ultimately. Uh, it's driven by philosophy. It's, it's, its roots are driven by philosophy. So um, unless you have a culture of liberty, you can't, a piece of paper is not going to help. Um, so that's why, you know, I'm really more interested in, in fighting on the philosophical and cultural fronts rather than arguing for this particular bill or that particular bill or this particular politician. Um, the most interesting political discussion is where on the line between libertarianism and anarchy we should be. <laughs> yeah, I wish we were having that discussion, Keith. Um, and actually how I perceive, like how I see anarchy is eventually being even possible because I agree that it's not possible right now. Um, I see it as, as a, if it's going to ever happen, it will be a slow, it'll be a gradual shrinking of the state, right? Where you you shrink the state in one area and 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 people see that it works and they start asking, like, well, what about this other thing? Like, we don't, do we really need them doing that? That gets shrunk and that kind of just progresses. And eventually the state's doing very um, minimal minarchist kind of things. And eventually maybe those things even get taken over. Um, but uh the I actually I, I so Joe's saying the state is people not laws. I, I don't know. I've seen a couple of definitions distinguishing the state from the government. I've seen the government referred to as 
the people running things in the state referred to as the kind of the territory in the, the, you know, the political territory and the government, government being the, the people that are in, in the institutions. And so the argument is that anarchy would have governance, but it wouldn't have a state because the state is the initiation of force, but you would still have oversight, you'd still have governance that wouldn't just be force-based, um, just wouldn't be force-based. One of the major the problems of the USA, the expansion of the federal government over only a few generations, and once it was expanded, it never shrinks. Yeah, um, the state is made of people, All right? Private prison industry is a disaster. That's true. Um, private pr prison industry is a disaster. But I mean, you know, every, I don't want to be cynical. Everything the government touches is a disaster. Of course, it's a disaster. Its function is to generate profits. What do you think the function of the military industrial complex is to generate profits? Um, so yeah, like profits aren't bad inherently. Um, profits are actually great inherently, but the prison system is, is a conflation of force and profits, which do not go together, right? Um, profits should be the result of voluntary interactions between people, not force. Um, Government is a set of rules people live by. State is the body that is given the monopoly of enforcing the rules. I like that definition, Artema. Um, people have ultimate sovereignty. If people voluntarily delegate some of their powers to representatives, it forms the state. Yeah, but the problem with that, Keith, is um, people can't voluntarily delegate their power because new people are born and they have not voluntarily delegated their power. Also, um, you know, there's a reason that even legally and morally, you can't, you can't actually agree to slave. Well, legally, you can't agree to slavery. Um, and I would argue morally, you can't either. So you, you can't really delegate, you can't say, like, I agree to be your slave forever, and then not have the ability to change your mind. Um, so I, I, people, you know, people voluntarily delegating some of their power to a group of representatives is fine if it's voluntary, but that means a newborn has not delegated their power. And so um, the state had, the, the, those representatives have no authority over the new person who hasn't done it. Um, yeah, leaders of the state will look after themselves. Yeah, so, okay, so book club recommendations. So what we've seen, I, I can look through Facebook guys, but um, there's some recommendations in Facebook. I will put this um, recommendation from Douglas Murray in here. The Madness of Crowds. Um, I don't know if we should do fiction or nonfiction next, but uh, one of libertarian thinkers actually makes a good argument for voluntary slaves. I think it was Walter Williams. Didn't agree with it though. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think it's a tough one. I, I haven't read, I haven't read Walter Williams' argument about it, but I would imagine it would be pretty, pretty tough. Um, although you could also argue that indentured servitude is uh, effectively similar, or if you, like, could you be an indentured, could you agree to be an indentured servant for a day, right? I think people would say yes. Could you agree to be an indentured servant for your life? Well, that's slavery. So uh, I think there's a gray area there. That's an interesting discussion to have. Um, but certainly newborns can't, right? So getting back to the other point about a state, it doesn't matter, even if it's a great state and everyone voluntarily says, yes, I join as their adults, um, newborns don't get to be part of it. So they didn't, they didn't consent. All right, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to head out. If there's no other stories you guys want to talk about, um, I don't think people want to just sit me, sit here and listen to me pontificate about libertarianism, but I think an intrinsic property of slavery is lack of consent. Yeah, so the question is, does it become slavery if there's consent? I don't know. I, so normally the way you look at it in contract law is you get something in exchange for something. So you can't um, agree to something without exchange of value. So like you can't say, um, I agree to be your slave even for a day if there's no value, that's not an enforceable contract. But this is also kind of common law, but also legally, I think, I'm not a lawyer. Um, so the idea is you have to get something. So you can say, well, I'll be your slave for a day if you feed and clothe me and house me or whatever it is, or if you give me 50 bucks or you know a thousand bucks or whatever it is. Um, 
So uh, I, I would think if you're going to if you're going to have voluntary quote slavery, it's got to be an exchange for something, and and that might be food and housing or whatever. But that would still allow you to say uh, it would still allow you to break the contract and say I'm done. Uh, now I no longer have the uh, I have to return the value or I'd no longer get it. So if you're getting food and housing and clothes, you would have to be able to say you know I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I I quit, so I'm no longer entitled to live here and you don't have to feed me anymore and blah, blah, blah. So the contract ends. Um, so anyway, all right, guys, have a good one. Thank you for joining us in chat. Please don't forget to, uh, like subscribe, share also bring more, uh, bring more stories. I really want to look, I don't spend all day on online looking for crazy stories and stuff to talk about. Sometimes I do, but you know, it's just me and Carrie. And so, if you've got stuff that you think is interesting that you want us to talk about, bring it on Friday um, or send us an email at uh, speak at unsafespace.com. So, all right. Later, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Have a good weekend. And uh, I don't know. Malone LaVey. <laughs>